On a, uh, on a personal note, uh, I would just ask that uh, uh, you kind of make a little mental note or, or personal note uh, to be praying for the revival in uh, North Florida. Uh, Connie and I have uh, made our final arrangements to, uh, to go down and uh, spend a few days with Burnham Christian Church in Jennings, Florida, and uh, we'll be preaching a three-day revival there. Uh, so uh, that is March 3rd, 4th, and 5th, and then we're going to linger a little while over on the coast and uh, uh, enjoy a little family time, but uh, just be praying for that revival, that, uh, that God would just uh, not only have his way, but just do some mighty, mighty work. It's always an exciting time, but... Uh, so we'll be praying for that. Uh, we have others, of course, always want to bring your attention to the prayer list on the back of the, of the bulletin, uh, including our list of missionaries, uh, to be praying for them on a regular basis. And with all that being said, I am going to ask Brother Brian Spencer to pray for the message. Amen. Amen. Well, this is one of those messages I would like to jump right into, and I just want you to know there is nothing but bad news on the horizon. I just read a recent report of a growing consensus that 2023 is going to be, and I quote, a miserable year for the U.S. Amen! For the U.S. economy and the global economy as a whole. In fact, all the years that I have been writing, and this comes from a very reliable source uh, on Prophecy News Watch, so many of the big names on Wall Street be that they're so incredibly pessimistic. I love that. Folks, listen, I want this to, to build, if we can, please, because I want us to see very clearly the distinction between how the world looks at the future and how Christians Look at the future. <laughs> Amen? And that's, I, I'm serious. I'm not making light of the misery and the stuff that probably is going to show up. In the, but how we approach it and how we deal with it are radically different. And that's what I want us to see. And I'm not going to quote all of this. I have no intention. But this author cites 11, 11 prominent individuals and banking and financial institutions that all say, look out, it's not going to be good. That includes the IMF, International Monetary Fund, Bloomberg, the World Bank, uh, Bank of America CEO, three or four or five individuals, Golden Sox, Charles Schwab, uh, on and on and on on this list. These aren't just nobodies in the financial world. So my question is, how do we approach that as believers? And are your investments secure? I don't know. <laughs> I am telling you this, or I will be glad to share this. God's investment in us is secure. It's secure. And that's all we need to know. I was always fascinated. I always really liked a movie called Apollo 13. Anybody ever see that movie? 
pretty, pretty good account, Hollywood production of a real life event that captured the attention of the entire world. And one of the most famous quotes that come out of that, that come, came out of that movie, Houston, we've had a problem here. Houston, we've had a problem here. The other most famous quote in the movie is one made by Gene Krantz that was the flight director at Houston Control when he was asked, Gene, do you believe this is going to be NASA's darkest hour? Does anybody remember Gene Krantz's response? No. This is going to be our finest hour. Brothers and sisters, 2023 could very well be the finest hour of the church in America. And that is where I want us to begin. Good morning, church. The world grows darker. The woke and depraved culture appears to be gaining ground. Crime and lawlessness on the increase. Sexual perversion at every level is being normalized. The murder of our unborn children is being encouraged by a radical leftist agenda. Church, I believe this will be our finest hour. Amen? Today's scripture, Psalm 121, is the second of what is called the Psalm of Ascent. The pilgrims' psalm, as the Jewish pilgrims made one of their three pilgrimages, pilgrimages, say that again, please, pilgrimages, pilgrimages, uh, their pilgrims' trip, <laughs> journey to Jerusalem. Let's stand as we read from the Word of God. Psalm 121 could be possibly one of the more familiar psalms of these 15 psalms of ascent. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Is there anything else we need to know? Father, we pray from the very depth of our hearts that you would bless the reading of your word here today. Be honored by its proclamation. Bring clarity and to my thoughts and may the words that I speak simply be what you have to say to all of us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Please be seated. The journey, the journey to Zion was dangerous. Bandits, thieves, robbers were common in the areas along the way. The pilgrims traveled in groups for safety and for fellowship. It is literally a picture of the church today. I want to challenge you to know that it is unbiblical to live the Christian life in isolation. 
not being physically present in a local fellowship, if physically able, on a regular basis violates the plan and desire of God the Father and grieves God the Son who purchased the church for himself. Our text may be divided in two major points, and they go like this. Verses 1 and 2, the pilgrims look up to the Lord. Verses 3 through 8, the Lord looks out for the pilgrims. Look up, the psalmist says. Lift up your eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? And I want you to notice this clear, clear distinction in the passage. Look up. Lift your eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You see what the psalmist is saying? I'm not putting my faith in a geographical location I'm not looking at the terrain. I'm not looking at that for my hope. I am looking to the hills. I'm raising my eyes. I'm looking up, but I want to see the God who made those mountains. I want to see the God who made those hills. It's all about him. There are three major hills in scripture that we'll we'll very quickly go over. We need to look to Mount Sinai. Why? When I look to Mount Sinai, I find a, a treasure of wisdom. I'm told how to have a proper relationship with God. I'm told how to have a proper relationship with others. The New Testament does not do away with Sinai where the law of God was given, but regards it with these words, love is the fulfillment of the law. And Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law. I come that the law might be fulfilled in me. We need to look to Mount Sinai. You know, people, people have forgotten that the Ten Commandments are still applicable. It is our guide to living, and we know it's perfect. We know we fall short. Thank God for the grace of Jesus Christ. But the law still stands. We need to look to the Mount of Olives, another mountain very dear to my heart. It is there that we see the victory of our Lord over the world's problems. It is there that Jesus confronted the devil and put him to shame and made his journey across the Kidron Valley in through the Eastern Gate and into a place called Mount Calvary, the third mount that we should look at. In fact, this hill is so important. It is there that the Savior, of uh, for our Savior, hung and died for our sins on an old rugged cross. It was there that Jesus did something that I could not do. Sinai had no mercy. It only condemned us. I, you, us, we needed forgiveness and a cleansing of our ways, a forgiveness of our sins. Jesus proclaimed from Mount Calvary, it is finished. And all that happened up to that moment became surrendered under and by the Lord's death, burial, and resurrection. Calvary says there is nothing I can do about my sin, nature, and guilt. Mercy and justice kissed and I was set free. I love that statement. My sins are gone. That's what Calvary says to us. Remember Mount Nebo where Moses stood and looked over into the promised land. Remember Mount Carmel where Elijah faced the 450 prophets of Baal. Boy, we could just go on and on. The high places, the mountains. Look to the mountains, look to the hills, and look beyond to the God above. But it's more than a physical, geographical location or a point on the map. 
And now we're going to look at Mount Zion, the city of God, Jerusalem. Pilgrims look up this morning, not just to the hills, but to the one who made the hills. I would like the tech team to put up that first slide, if you would, please. The success, oh, it's time to head for the hills, yeah. The success of the Christian pilgrim's journey rests solely on the faithfulness of our great God and Savior. Do we get that? Whether we make it or not, and I assure you, if you're in Christ right now, if you're living in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you're going to make it because you're already there, right? You're already seated with him in the heavenlies if you're a child of God. But our success in this journey is only dependent on his faithfulness, folks. D.A. Carson says this, It is not the intensity or clarity of our faith that saves us, but the object of our faith. I have been challenged and I challenge you today, do not depend on your great faith. I have had that presented to me and it's, and it, and it's, 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 it's like a sharp knife. Oh, you must have had great faith going through something like that. No, no. If it depended on my great faith, I wouldn't be here today. I would have ended it a long time ago. We're here today because of the great God that we have put our faith in. Brothers and sisters, this is why. Listen to me clearly. Listen to me clearly. And those online, listen to me clearly, please. This is why the word of faith and the name it and claim it theology is so dangerous. Because it places everything on my shoulders. It's about my great faith. Not about my great God. And God has not called himself to be obedient to me. Amen? We can rest confidently because we have placed our faith in a great God who is faithful. Who is faithful. That's our assurance. Please don't fall into the snare of a man-centered religion, but a Christ-centered faith. Point number one, our safe arrival is dependent on God's presence with us. His presence. His presence. I lift up my eyes to the hills, and where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and earth. The temple in Jerusalem was a dwelling place of God on earth. The glory cloud in the Holy of Holies signified the Lord's presence among his people. The city of Jerusalem, situated on a mountain, surrounded by mountains. And as Stan said, all four sides of Jerusalem has a valley. you got to come off of a hill into a valley before you can ascend to the Temple Mount. I love this prayer of Solomon, and I'd like to share this with you from 1 Kings chapter 8. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel. And he spread out his hands toward heaven and said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven above or on earth below like you. 
who keep your covenant and mercy with your servants who walk before you with all their hearts. You have kept what you promised your servant David, my father. You have spoken with your mouth and fulfilled it with your hand as it is this day. Therefore, Lord, God of Israel, now keep what you promised your servant, my father, saying, you shall not fail to have a man set before me on the throne of Israel only of your sons to take heed to their way that they walk before me as you have walked before me. Listen to this, please. And now I pray, O God of Israel, let your word come true, which you have spoken to your servant David, my father. But will God indwell, indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple. You see what Solomon's saying? You're bigger than this. You're bigger than even this temple. He realized that even in his ancient tradition and faith, he realized that this God was much more than being limited to this little room called the Holy of Holies. And yet regard the prayer of your servant as supplication, O Lord, my God, and listen to the cry and the prayer which your servant is praying before you today, that your eyes may be open toward this temple night and day, toward the place of which you said my name shall be forever, that you may hear the prayer which your servant makes towards this place, and you may hear the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray towards this, here in heaven, your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. That's a prayer, folks. That's a prayer. We must see all our help laid up in Christ, laid up in his power, secured by his goodness, his providence, and his grace. And from him, we must expect it to come according to his word and promises. We will never travel alone, brothers and sisters. There can be no lonely place where the Christian can be found because the Christian is never alone. He is never, she is never alone. The Jewish pilgrims had to go to Jerusalem to experience the presence of God. They had to go up to the temple. Then, even during the sacrificial periods, only the high priest could enter into the Holy of Holies. Church, now we are the temple, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Listen to what Jesus tells the Samaritan woman. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. Isn't that great? Even the pagans worship on the mountain. But we worship the God of the mountain. Do you see the difference? The pagans were always trying to, t to, to get closer to God by going high and building towers, right? Tower of Babel, a prime example of that. They're always seeking the high places. Josiah, with all of his reforms in the Old Testament, failed to do one thing. He failed to tear down all of the high places. Don't worship the high places. Worship the most high God. That's the difference. So my fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Ah, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Listen to what Jesus says. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and now is here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Do you see what Christ is saying? 
It's no longer about a building. It's no longer about a structure on Temple Mount. It's the worshipers who worship God wherever they are in spirit and in truth because God is spirit and he's looking for those who will worship him in spirit and truth. Amen? See, you cannot come to church if you're a believer. The church comes with you. So stay with me. Church is not some place we go. Church is something we do. We are, and excuse me, it's not something we do, but church is what we are. So it's not a location. It's not even what we do as we gather. It's about being in the presence of God and the presence of God being in us. His presence, number two, we gotta go. His provision. His provision. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. I love what Spurgeon had to say about this. Though the paths of life are dangerous and difficult, yet we shall stand fast. For Jehovah will not permit our feet to slide. And if he will not allow it, we shall not be moved. We shall not, we shall not be moved. Just out of that, sorry. If your foot will is thus kept, if our foot will is thus kept, we may be sure that our head and heart will be preserved also. Those who have God for their keeper shall be safe from all the perils of the way among the hills and the ravines of Palestine. The literal keeping of the feet is a great mercy, but in the slippery slopes of a tempted world, tried and afflicted life, the blessing of upholding is of priceless value, for a single false step may cause us to fall fraught with awful danger, to stand divine hand and worthy also of our personal gratitude. Our feet shall not be moved but held in heavenly progress, and we shall never be overthrown. That's the pilgrim's journey. Remember, I mentioned Mount Carmel and Elijah with the 450 prophets of Baal. I love that story and a quick summary, of course, as the fires is, uh, is prepared, as the wood is piled up, and, and as the, the sacrifice is laid upon the, uh, the kindling the 450 prophets of Baal became, began to entertain Elijah. And that's really kind of the way he sees it. They're going to call fire from heaven. So the scripture says they danced around for hours. They circled the pile of wood. They called upon their God to send fire from heaven. They cut themselves. They done all kinds of stuff. And somehow I picture this, and I'm going to use this term, so please forgive me. Uh, I, I think Elijah is just being a little bit smart alecky. He's sitting over there, nice and comfortable, saying, keep it up, boys. Maybe, I don't know, I don't know, but maybe your God's taking a nap. Maybe he's in the privy, taking a little bathroom break. Maybe he just dozed off. Either way, keep it up. I'm enjoying the show. Folks. Elijah knew his God was awake. Elijah knew his God was awake and ready to come make himself known for his own glory and his own honor. He would bring fire from heaven in the midst of the soaked pile of wood and the, the, the ditch that surrounded the fire that was full of water. A fire came down and consumed everything. 
You know, I've stood on that mountain many times and looked out. And from there, by the way, you are looking down the valley of Jezreel, Megiddo, or Armageddon. Someday, that valley will be filled with blood again at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Emmanuel, God with us, the promise that God has given us in Christ Jesus, delivers us from the past, walks with us in the present, and will lead us to our final destination. He will never leave us or forsake us. Celebrate today, pilgrim. We have a Lord who's promised to be with us and provide for us along the way. And you know what his provision is? Himself. Himself. Number three, his promises. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Our God has never grown weary, never dozed off, never taken a nap. I love this little story from Bishop William Alfred Quayle, an old, 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 old Methodist preacher who shared that one night he had worked early into the morning, hours and hours trying to finish this sermon And at a moment of intense pressure and total fatigue, when he felt so tired and overwhelmed, his eyes fell on Psalm 121 and the promise of God's 24-hour vigil overcame him. This reminded Bishop Quayle of how defeating and exhausting his efforts to do the work for God were rather than allowing God to work through him. In his spirit, he heard the Lord say to him, quote, Quail, there's no need for both of us to stay up all night. I'm going to stay up anyway, so you go to bed and get a good night's rest. You see, folks? That's what God wants us to do. God wants us to rest in him because the work is already done. It's already done. Jesus said it's finished. It's finished. Oh, but our God will take us through the journey. He is our pillar of cloud by day. He is the pillar of fire by night. He goes before us. And I I love that march through the wilderness where he not only went before us, but he guarded the backside too. Nobody was going to sneak up on God's people. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for a welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. 2 Corinthians 1, 20, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Yes, believer, you can claim the promises of God, but make sure God has made the promise. Make sure he has made the promise. Travel on, pilgrim. We have the Lord's presence. We have the Lord's provision. We have his promises. And number four, we have his protection. The Lord is your keeper. 
The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, the moon by night. The Lord is the guardian of our souls. He not only goes with us, he has given angels charge over us. We know where the journey, we know not where the journey will take us. We know not where, what we'll encounter along the way. But we do know a creator and sustainer of the universe is our protector. And he has never suffered defeat. Do we understand that this morning? God has never lost a battle. Jesus Christ has never lost a battle. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? It is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God as in Christ Jesus our Lord. Press on, pilgrim. Press on. His presence, his provision, his promises, his protection, and finally, his preservation. His preservation. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This idea, this principle of God, our keeper, goes clear back. And I want to read from Numbers chapter 27. Moses spoke to the Lord saying, Let the Lord, the God of spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be a sheep who have no shepherd. Who's Moses talking about? Who's he talking about? Come on, say his name. Jesus. Jesus. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 6, Moses again say, Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. Brothers and sisters, God will keep those whom he has claimed for his own. He will keep us. I will not, I cannot, because it violates the word of God. I cannot promise you an easy journey. I will not promise you an easy journey. Matter of fact, there may be a problem even within the church in America today as the journey has been a bit too easy. And now we're going to be tried. We're going to be put through some of the fire. I hope that you do understand to some degree what a mess this world is. Folks, it is ugly. It is ugly. Moral decay and depravity where everyone does as they please or wishes. I'm excited. I'm excited. Look up, church. Look up. This will be our finest hour. This will be our finest hour.
The journey may not be without sorrow. The journey may not be without pain, trial, and testing. But the destination is worth up, worth it, worth it. We're going into the very presence of God to be with the Lord forever. So I ask these questions. Where are you drawing your strength from this morning? If it's yourself, you're doomed. You're doomed. Are you looking to the high places of this world to meet your needs? You're doomed. You're doomed to destruction. If you believe the government is your provider and protector, you're doomed. You're doomed. Are you weary of complacency? Tired of apathy? Weary of lackadaisy living? Look up. Look to the hills from where our strength comes from. See the God who made heaven and earth. Look up. Press on. We're headed for Zion, the city of God. We're headed not only to and not just a physical place. We're headed to a new Jerusalem where all things will be made new, where there will no longer be any pain or sorrow, where all our tears will be wiped away. The new city is coming down for heaven, that city which is not made with human hands, but made by God himself as a dwelling place for him and his people. Amen. Press on, pilgrim. Press on. My heavenly home is bright and fair, and I want to be traveling on. No harm or death can enter there, and I want to be traveling on. Oh, the Lord has been so good to me, I feel like traveling on. Until those mansions I can see, I feel like traveling on. Keep putting one foot in front of the other, pilgrim. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Zion is in our sights. And we're headed home. Father, thank you for the word this morning. Thank you, Father, that you are a faithful God, that we can trust you. In and through all things, Father, we can trust you when we have no understanding whatsoever of why we're there and what we're going through. We still can trust you because you know. You transcend all of that, Father. You transcend the hills and the mountains. You transcend Temple Mount. Yet you're as near to us as our call to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for promising that you would never leave us alone. You would not leave us as orphans, but that you would send the promised helper, the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for the hope that we have today in a dark and dreary land. May we be that light where? On the hilltop as a beacon to those who are looking for hope. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.
Please stand as we have our song of invitation this morning. And all I can tell you and encourage you to consider is, do you know the God of that passage? Not the God that some others has presented, not the God of our own imagination, but the God who is described in that passage. Do you know him through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you ever confessed your sins before him and pleaded for his grace and mercy to be found in favor with the finished work of Jesus Christ who said, welcome home. Welcome home. If you've never done that, then you're just wandering in the wilderness, folks. That's it. You're just wandering in the wilderness, and your destination isn't looking all that